ओम नमो भगवते वासुदेवाय ओम नमो भगवते वासुदेवाय ओम नमो भगवते वासुदेवाय Bhagavatam, Canto 9, Chapter 6, Text 26. Before commenting on the verse, I'll just bring up one point of etiquette that while chanting the verse, first of all, the speaker who's going to speak that day chants the verse, and then other devotees chant, but the usual mariada or etiquette is that. Those who are not Brahman initiated wait until those who are Brahman initiated chant. And then those who are not Harinam initiated, they wait until those are chanted. Do you follow? First, Brahman initiates chant. And then if they don't, you wait and see and if they chant. If they don't want to chant, then those who are Harinam initiated. And then those who are waiting for that also. Just a point of etiquette. If we observe these things, then our... Vaishnav society will be very nice. So we're discussing Yuvanashva, going into the forest. In the purport, Srila Prabhupada comments about the Vanaprastha order of life. Although Yuvanashva was not actually a Vanaprastha, he appeared to be like that. He wasn't a Vanaprastha officially because if he was, he wouldn't be having this sacrifice done for him to have children. Real Vanaprastha life means family life is being, is being wound up, being brought to an end. No more sex life, no more... Sex life, of course, in the Vedic culture, that's meant for Santanutpati, bringing forth children. And bringing forth children, what for? That is... Uh, What is it? Putra Kriyate Bharya Putra Pinda Payojanam. Prabhupada quoted that from Manu, I believe. That one accepts a religious wife for the sake of having a son. And you have a son for the sake of offering Pinda, to perform the family duty of offering this Pinda kind of cake in the Shraddha ceremony for the deliverance of forefathers. In other words, it, sex life was meant as a religious function. That we see in Gita, Krishna says, what does he say? Who can say? I know you know. Let's see if any of the others know. What does Krishna say about religious sex life in Gita? Hmm? What is it? Not exactly. It's almost correct, but... I guess they're all staunch brahmacharis. They're not even considering these things. Dhamavirudho kamosni That uh, dharma avirudha That kamaraga uh, kamaraga That which is not Sex life, which is not contrary to religious principles, Krishna says, that is me. That is a representation of me. So it's very different from the animalistic kind of sex life. The whole Vedic civilization, very different from the animalistic 
civilization of the modern age, in which uh, simply raw, brute sense gratification is the only aim of life. People in former ages, they couldn't consider such a thing. Even morality in the modern age is subservient to sense gratification, just like we were saying, the moral, pro-choice and anti-choice, or pro-murder and anti-murder. Pro-choice means I have the choice whether I want to have a child for my sense gratification or to kill the child in the womb for my sense gratification. Why shouldn't we have divorce? Because if you don't like your husband or wife, just throw them out. Get a new one. Just like, you know, when your basam sijanani when your cloth is worn out, throw it away. So when your wife is worn out, throw her out. Get a new one. Why? Because the purpose of life is to enjoy. And the Vedic civilization was more responsible. It's seeing that they're not just here now for this short life. Those that uh, think like this, they think because they think Hasma Bhutan, what is that? In that Charvaksa. That Basmi Bhutasya Dehasya Kinkuna Agamano Bhavet. Says that when, you, when the body's burned, it's finished. You're not coming back again. So while you're here, enjoy it. Enjoy while you can because you're going to be finished soon. So this atheistic concept of life leads people to think like this and therefore there's no responsibility in society. But Vedic society means understanding that we're just here for a short time. We're in this human body for a short time and what we do in this human life affects our future. If we misuse this human life then we have to enter animal species again and again. So this human life is meant for proper says this human life is meant for earning values, for earning spiritual value. So those who have that vision that we're not just here for this short time, but we're going to have to be born again, or if we become liberated, then we won't be born again. That's the ultimate goal of life. So understanding that, well, I, I may have the animalistic urge for sense gratification, but that has to be controlled by higher intelligence. Otherwise, we're going to suffer. People think, well, why? Why shouldn't I enjoy? I'm young, or maybe not so young, but I'm healthy, and I have an urge. Why not gratify it? If you feel some lusty feeling, then why not just satisfy it? The answer is because that gratification of lusty desire, that has consequences. It's not just that you do it and it's finished. One consequence is that as I was saying, Santanutpati, by sex life, children are produced. So that they've solved the problem by pro-choice or anti-choice, pro-choice, kill the child in the womb. Child in the womb is a problem. They say, they say it's natural to have sex life, and it's also natural to have children. Why do you kill them? She wanted to be so natural. It's natural to be cold in the winter, so why do you wear clothes? Why don't you be natural? Why it's... Uh, it's, it's, you would say, not natural to cook food, so just eat some, you know, just eat raw food. Why, why cook your meat? Just, just catch a cow and start biting the flesh raw. Why is that something, you know, it's so natural? The Vedic civilization is based on very deep knowledge. See, the king was upset, he didn't have a son, of course. Everyone wants a son for the sake of affection. But over and above that, you require a son, because if you don't have a son, then your forefathers, they have to, you don't, you're not discharging your own duty as a son. Your duty as a son is to have a son. 
the duty of the son is to offer oblations for the forefathers, and then again you have to have another son who can continue to do that in the future. That's one reason, at least previously, why people used to get upset when their son ran away from home and became a sannyasi. Because they thought, well, who will perform all the griha karmas? Actually, who becomes a sannyasi, then by that activity he liberates his family members. That's a different system. Either you can become a grihasta and offer oblations into the fire, and offer the pinda to the forefathers, or you become a sannyasi. And then by by that fire, Yaragdi Dagda Karma Anam, by the fire of knowledge, all these sinful reactions are burned up. That specifically requires that specifically refers to one who takes sannyas by becoming a devotee of Krishna. That's the real meaning of sannyas. As Krishna states in Gita, that uh, the beginning of the sixth chapter, that uh, Anashita karma phalam kayam karma karotiya sasanyasi cha yogi cha naniragnena chakriyaha. Sanyasi is generally thought of as niragni. He gives up connection with fire. Because a householder, he always has to have the fire burning in his home. The, the fire, is, you see, the, the deepam is always burning. And that is used, that fire, the sacred fire, that is uh, used for offering oblations daily. Oh, yeah, that was the duty of a Grihasa to have a daily yagya in his home. So the yagya of oblations were offered for uh, pitris, for the forefathers, for the people in general, for the rishis, for, for the animal, for all living entities, and for the devas. Five. The one has debts to all these five. One is indebted to other people, we have to live by cooperation. We're indebted to the demigods for sending us natural gifts. We're indebted to the forefathers by whose grace we got this body. We're indebted to the rishis for giving us knowledge. And we're indebted to all other living beings, even horses and cows, because they help us to live. So we have debts, so you have to offer oblations into the fire. But a sannyasi, he is near Agni means a sannyasi, he doesn't offer oblations into the fire. Another meaning is he doesn't cook. He has to make cook. He should cook. He has to offer to the Shalagram Shiva. But traditionally a sannyasi, that's, this means, this refers to one who is, one who has accepted karma sannyas. He has given up the path of karma kanda. That's called karma sannyasi. That's, that's different to Vaishnav sannyas. That means he's simply given up these activities. He is Naniragnya, and he is Niragnya, and uh, Akriyaha. He doesn't perform any more Vedic ritualistic ceremonies, because he took sanya, he's become aloof from all those things. But Krishna says that a real sannyasi is uh, one who no longer takes shelter of the results of karmic, act- karmic activities. Kayan karma karotiya, but he performs activities, but he's not attached to the result. He is a sannyasi and he is a yogi, because Arjuna was saying, let me go away from the fight, let me become a sannyasi, let me not fight anymore. Why all this fighting business? But Krishna is saying here that a real sannyasi and a real yogi is one who lives in this world, but is not attached to it. That is the intrinsic meaning of sannyas. Sannyas means full renunciation. 
It's a real renunciation that uh, Rupa Goswami defined that as Yukta Vairagya. The same thing. Anasakthasya Vishayam Yatahamukhalum Yatahamukhalum 